This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 442 with Renee Thick. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 442. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Renee Thick is a shameless mom of three, an occupational therapist, and an advocate for moms who desire more grace, space, and rest within their lives. She has found strength beyond her own to navigate life's struggles, multiple miscarriages, life with three kids, working mom life, stay-at-home mom life, and a husband with a brain tumor and seizures. She's the founder of the Rising Moms Club, a community for moms who are ready to rise above the chaos and the overwhelm of life and busy days and trade exhaustion and the never-ending to-do list for a life with more joy. She's also the host of the annual More Than Mom Summit, the Great Clutter Clearout Challenge, and the podcast Rising Moms. Listen in to hear Renee share how she navigated her husband's cancer diagnosis and care with three kids under five years old why more stuff for your kids is not making them more healthy or more happy, how shedding physical items helps you declutter your mental health, how to get your kids on board and engaged in decluttering, her rise above framework to decluttering and overcoming overwhelm, and the four steps to her rise above framework, how to create rhythm around your menstrual cycle and why this rhythm can be so beneficial, and the foundational element needed to say no without guilt. 
This was a great conversation. Renee has a powerful background of overcoming adversity, and she has lots of tips that I think are going to help you start to see the light when it comes to managing and overcoming overwhelm in your life. So help me welcome Renee Thick to the Shameless Mom Academy. Renee, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be fun. I feel like I have to let everyone know where we're at in COVID at the time of all of the recordings right now. So (laughs) we're recording this on April 16th and you're in San Diego. I'm in Seattle. We're on similar levels of lockdown and kind of have been, I think we've been kind of paralleling each other between California and Washington for a lot of this experience. So we're about five weeks in and are you similar? Yeah, (laughs) I know the first like official full state lockdown was on my birthday, which was March 20th. So that was like three ish weeks ago, been on full lockdown. Got it. And I'm counting from when school got out because that's when my world changed. (laughs) So I think that school was about a week before that. Okay. Yeah. So we're pretty similar then. Yeah. Yeah. My son's teacher sends like at the beginning of each week, she'll be like, this is welcome to your like X week of, you know, your fifth week of, or your fourth week of, so that's how I'm keeping track. I'm like, she's keeping, the teacher's keeping track. So therefore I don't have to. So that's how I know. Cause otherwise I'd be like, I don't know. We're on like week 87 of this. Cause it's, I mean, I have to say we've been lucky to adapt fairly easily, but it does kind of feel like it's been like this for a really long time now. (laughs) It does. I was actually writing an email this morning and I was like, it feels like it's only been like three-ish weeks since my birthday, but it feels like it's been months, you know? It feels like it's been forever. I was referencing something about February uh, the other day and I was like, February seems like so long, like a lifetime ago because our reality and like what was top of mind was just completely different. (laughs) So interesting. Yes. Well, I think I saw um, like a meme graphic, something the other day that talked about like January having 30 days, February being a leap year, March having five weeks and April having five years. <laughs> like it, That feeling. Totally. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now in this unique phase of life that we're in. Yeah. So my story kind of started a few years ago when I was pregnant with my third baby and my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And we navigated this year of crazy sauce when I thought it was crazy then. It's crazy now, but just in a totally different way. But at that point, it was me with three kids under five, him not being able to drive and me taking him back and forth to work and just all of the craziness. I feel like it's that part of my life was so busy and there was so much to do that it's kind of funny that this is a totally different experience, but kind of contrast to that. And so I got to that breaking point where I just couldn't do it anymore. And I couldn't keep work. I couldn't work and take care of five kids and be the only driver in our house, taking care of everything. So I had my mom meltdown moment when I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a mom. I don't want to take care of everybody like this. I don't want to do it. And so I climbed myself back out of that hole by trying to figure out, I was like, something's not working. I've got to figure something else out because this is not how I want to live my mom life. And everybody I asked or talked to, they all said, oh, this is just how mom life is. Mom life is just really hard. And I was like, but I don't want it to suck. (laughs) I don't want to feel like this, you know? Yeah. And that phrase people say all the time about like, oh, just get through this season. When you get through the season, things get easier. And at the time I I could see that, I could see how, yes, we were in this really hard season, but at the same time, I didn't want to blink and have that season be gone. And so I started 
trying to figure out what it was going to be and what was going to help me get out of that. And I remember at one point, my dad came to stay at our house and he was like, you just have so much stuff. You're spending all day cleaning and doing dishes and laundry and picking up the toys. He's like, you don't need all this. And I got really defensive at the point and I, like, I wasn't ready to hear that. And then slowly over time, I realized, yes, I'm spending all of my time taking care of laundry and dishes and toys and it's leaving no time to actually do the things that I really want to do. And it's making me a miserable mom. And so I started decluttering and getting rid of all of that stuff that really was taking up the time from the things that really mattered the most to me, you know, playing with my kids and having fun. And it's funny right now with this whole COVID situation and being on lockdown and not being able to go out, you know, so many people are noticing those hobbies or they're spending time doing things that they haven't had time to do before or all of those things. And so that's been a big part of my passion is how do I do that in the everyday? How do I make sure that those things that matter the most to me are front and center every single day and that I'm not getting bogged down by all the other stuff? And so that was kind of my journey and how it started. And so now I'm really passionate about helping other moms do the same thing and believe that you don't have to just survive through a season. Yeah. Can you talk about some of the clutter that comes with motherhood? I remember when my son, when I was pregnant, I remember my husband saying, like, I don't want our house to become overrun with baby stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, but that's just selfish because we need all of the baby stuff. Yeah. And I started collecting all of the baby stuff and it did kind of take over the household. And I'm watching in contrast, our neighbors, they had a baby a year ago and they have been very intentionally, very minimalistic about how they've brought things into the house and how much space their kids, the baby stuff takes up and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait, you actually, you don't need to have all the things all the time. Like, There's actually another way to do it. So can you talk about our need for like bringing all the stuff in when we, how motherhood can make us really clutter up our lives and then how, where you started decluttering and, and the specific things that you decided to get rid of? Well, yeah, I think I recently read a statistic that in the preschool years that people's stuff in their household increases by 40%. So it is a pretty drastic amount that we take on. And I feel like part of it is the marketing world. They do a really good job of making us feel like we need everything. And it's true. Like if I were to redo my motherhood, I would do with so much less. And people ask me all the time, like, what would be your number one baby item that you would recommend for a new mom? And hands down, I have one, like one, one recommendation, a baby carrier, mm. like hands down, I could not live through motherhood without some sort of a baby carrier because I mean, in all reality, you can go anywhere, do anything, get anything done yeah. with that baby being, you know, cared for. Right. So I do think that we take on a lot. And as moms, I think at the beginning, when we're a new mom, we're just trying to figure it all out. We're, we're scared of making a mistake. We're following everybody else's recommendations. We're looking at the baby registries. We're, we're trying to do what's right, I guess, in a sense, and feeling like that's what we need to do. And then a couple years down the road, we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out because now you know, when they're infants, I think it's one thing because we're the, still the one managing it. But then when they get to be toddlers and they're the ones pulling everything apart and they're the ones leaving a trail of stuff down the hall and they're the ones, you know, like leaving smeared poop on the walls or whatever they're doing. And then we're now spending all this time picking it up. And for me, the big aha moment was I realized I was looking to all the stuff to be what was making my kids happy. 
And that was the big aha was that moment of realizing like, gosh, I mean, we were even talking about earlier, just like the legs or the toys or the building blocks, like my kids need these because it's helping their brain grow or it's helping this or it's whatever. And I was looking at to all that stuff and then realized, but I am miserable taking care of all of that. Mm-hmm. They, my kids don't want me miserable. They want me happy. And they would much rather spend time with me going and having fun than playing with a thing of blocks any day, you know? I wonder too, if it's a confidence thing. I'm thinking when my son was born and I was like, I don't know what's going to work. So I'm just going to get all the things. Like, I just want to have options because I don't know what's going to work. And I'm curious if moms that have, you know, especially as you have more and more kids. So I have one, but if you have more and more kids that you're like, have a realization at a certain point that, oh, I don't need 18 options for like a swing or a carrier or what have you, because I know that this one is the one that actually works best for us. And we don't need all of the options. I feel like I wanted more options because I didn't have confidence around like what was going to work, what was going to, to your point, create happiness for this child or for myself. (laughs) And so, and I was very worried about that. Like I need, I want all the options all the time. Yeah. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, 
It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. No, for sure. I think that we really don't know. I mean, even right now, like I work in the NICU, so I work with brand new moms. And sometimes I talk to them and they come with these expectations of, well, I have to make sure that my baby does this and I have to make sure my baby, you know, doesn't fall asleep with the bottle or whatever it may be. And I've told them over and over again, like you and your baby are a unique pair. There's every baby you have is going to be completely different. Every other pair out there in the world is completely different. So it is kind of that finding your level of confidence in who you are, who you are as a mom and how you can do this and kind of working together with that. But yeah, I do think that plays into it for sure. When you talk about decluttering Are we talking just about physical stuff? I think there's an interesting, well, I don't know if it's a secondary layer, but an interesting additional layer. Yeah. No, I think so. For me, my my journey started with the physical stuff because that was the actual stuff that was I'd look around my house and see it chaotic and feel just stressed out. And there is a lot of research out there that talks about your environment and the surroundings around you and how that can add to your stress level. And so if moms are already feeling stressed because we're worried about, are we getting it right? Are we doing the right thing? Are we, you know, figuring this whole thing out? What's going to work? All the stuff. And then you add in this extra layer of having stuff everywhere. And I don't want to set this expectation that you have to have a clean home because you could come into my house right now and there's stuff on the floor. But at the same time, I wanted to be able to, at the end of the day, sit down on the couch and not feel like I had a million things to do Yeah, and that I couldn't take a break or that I couldn't stop and sit down and play with my kids because I was so worried about all of the other stuff everywhere. And so for me, that's where it started because I really figured out that the less stuff I have, the less stuff I'm spending on all of those things. You know, you don't have to organize it. You're not repairing it. You're not fixing it when it's broken and you're not stepping on it. And you're not all of those other things that I can do like a quick sweep through in my house in 20 minutes and have it generally put together versus before when there was just so much stuff, you're spending 20 minutes just trying to clear off the kitchen counter, you know? So that made a big shift. But as I started doing that, I realized in the process of getting rid of all of the stuff, the actual tangible stuff, I realized all of those other layers of maybe the expectations that I was holding and all that extra clutter of multitasking. You know, it's so hard for moms. We're multitasking all the time and our brains are trying to manage a million different things at one time and that clutter, how overwhelming that is. And the digital clutter, you know, we're emails and social media. And the right now we're probably getting a million and a half emails from school and, you know, all of the things. And so all of those things contribute to that clutter and that overwhelm sense of feeling. Absolutely. What were some of the first things that you got rid of or some things that you recommend moms get rid of when they're looking to declutter? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be really different for each person because you want to figure out what's going to be. I always I tell people like you don't have to necessarily go through and do all one sweep. That really the goal is to find some sort of rhythm and some, find some sort of habit that you can instill so that you're consistently decluttering and consistently trying to create this space. Yes, I like that. If you're trying to do it in just one big fall sweep, like a spring cleaning sort of idea, you know, like six months down the road, you feel like you've got stuff piled back up. And so it's really trying to find out what are going to be those pivotal things for you. So I like to encourage people to find what is your one room? What's that one space that for you, if that space was clean and cleared and put together that you would be able to go to bed at night feeling like, okay, I got some stuff together. <laughs> like I feel like I'm handling things I'm together, or maybe it just gives you that sense of relaxation at the end of the day or whatever it may be. And this can be a really good way to, to get other people on board because, you know, you go in and just ask your husband or your spouse or your kids or whoever to start like clearing out their stuff too. They may not be on board quite as much as if you say, let's just tackle this one room. Can we all be in agreement that the living room at the end of the day, the living room is going to be put together so that I can relax at the end of the day. And so finding that one space that is going to feel okay for you to have that space be cleared and starting there and just setting a goal of like, hey, I'm going to get rid of a few things extra today than are coming in, or I'm going to get rid of 10 things every day or whatever little simple habit to make it something that becomes part of your routine and not something that's throwing you all out that you're having to go through and get rid of everything all at one time. And then it's like a full blown in and then you don't touch it again kind of space. I was just, and I think when we do it that way, we put it off and try to create a big event around it. I think that we just keep putting it off. <laughs> We're like, well, I have to wait till I have eight hours with nothing to do now before I can do this, which just makes it seem like this insurmountable task. Totally. Yeah. Or we get the, all those emotions come up like, oh, I can't get rid of that because so-and-so gave that to me. And then we hold on to it instead of just starting right where you're at and saying like, hey, this stack of papers right here, I have no emotional attachment to it. They're ready to go. And just focusing on those small steps. And when you do those small steps, you start building momentum and then the momentum starts and it gets easier and easier for sure. Yeah. Two things I want to add. So one of the things that I started in the last probably 18 months is I just always have two bags going, one to go to Goodwill and one to go to Westside Baby, which is a place that takes baby gear and kid gear. And I just always have a bag ready to go. And so I can constantly be dropping things in that bag rather than waiting for drawers and cupboards to get overstuffed before I do a big clean. So that has helped me a lot in just kind of constantly having this rotation of getting things out. Yes. That's been really helpful. The other thing that's been really helpful is involving my son. And it's funny, for a long time I was pulling, so he's seven and I was pulling things out like behind his back because I was like, well, I don't want to like, I really didn't want his input or opinion on it. And because I was afraid, I was like, he's not going to want to get rid of anything, but it's been so interesting. He's actually very open to getting rid of stuff. And I think it's also really good training for him that like, we're just, and I'll ask him, you know, like, Hey, you don't use this anymore. Can we get rid of it? And Hey, do you think another child would like this? So there's like multiple levels of conversation that can happen that first of all, he's not getting overly attached to physical things. And second of all, he's looking at like, how can we keep the household clean for everyone? And also how can we be giving to other people who can now use the things that we don't need anymore that aren't like high priority for us? 
Yeah, 100%. And I think you kind of hit on a lot of that. I highly recommend not going through and just clearing out people's stuff without them knowing that can go bad for everybody. (laughs) So and I think that's where a lot of people have this resistance is how do I get my kids on board? And what you've just talked about is a brilliant like those are all techniques and strategies that I would encourage. And because kids are really actually openly receptive to it when we communicate to them. Yeah, we're doing it for what are the benefits for? Like, why are we doing it? And we have this open conversation rather than just going in and saying, I'm getting rid of all the stuff, which honestly, there have been times where I go in and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have way too much stuff. Like I'm getting rid of something. But those sorts of elements, like when you come at it with that sort of perspective, it oftentimes doesn't go nearly as well as like what you just talked about. When you go in and you say, okay, you know, like these ones we're not playing with anymore. Do you think that we can give them to somebody that maybe doesn't have any toys and that maybe those would bring them happiness or joy or even our neighbor? We've passed down a lot of toys to the neighbor and my kids really love doing that because then they know who it's going to. They're like, oh my gosh, Amelie would love to play with this. I love that. And they get really excited about that passing things down and giving them the option even when you look at things coming into that house. Like I know you just talked about going on vacation. And so that's one of the things I oftentimes compare it to with my kids when they want a certain toy at the store and they're begging and begging and begging. And and I'll tell them like, okay, this is your choice. If you would like this item, that's fine. But in contrast, you're spending money on this instead of the money we could be saving for a trip to wherever. And oftentimes when you put it in that perspective, when you show them what, at least if they're old enough, you show them it would be maybe taking away from hands down 99% of the time, my kids will say, eh, I'll pass. Let's save it for vacation because they know that that vacation brings memories and it brings fun and they have so much fun in that moment rather than like dopamine high that they're going to get from buying that toy that they're going to play with for maybe an hour and then they're going to forget about. So it's kind of just like you said, having those conversations with them and really getting them on board. It is possible. It's not always easy. And you definitely don't want to go in and get rid of their prized possessions. Can you talk a little bit about during this time of COVID-19 and quarantine, why decluttering is real? I'm feeling like I think because we're just all in the house all the time. (laughs) So it's like decluttering even more paramount now than it has been in the past. And what are your recommendations around this, if anything, around this time specifically? Yeah, I think it's really helpful. Like you said, we're all in our house. We're all sitting there looking around being like, okay, what can I do? <laughs> Where, what? How can I? And we're in this space like, we want our spaces to feel good. And so now that we're having all this extra time in our space, maybe it doesn't feel like we have extra time, but we're in our space. How can we sort of be productive with it so that we come out of this quarantine phase and feel like we feel much better in our space? And so one of the questions I've been getting a lot lately is, okay, that's great. I want to do this massive decluttering while we're all here quarantined, but I can't take it anywhere because I can't, the donation centers are closed or I've a lot of the donation bins are overflowing and all of that. But going back to that box bin idea you talked about at the beginning or the bag is having a bag like that all the time. One, it serves as a reminder that this is something you're being intentional about. We're trying to get things out of the house, but also it has that 
like step by step, like you're just continuing like consistency. So it's the same idea right now with COVID is that you might not be able to get it all the way out of your house. But if you have a designated space and a designated area in your house where you're storing all of that stuff, then it's going to help keep you reminded throughout this whole time. Like, okay, I'm, this is something I'm working on. This is something we're doing. We're getting rid of stuff so that when the time comes and those donation centers are open, you can pack it all up and put it in the car and take it out. Decluttering the most amount of time it's going to take you is the time to actually go through and sort the stuff. It's not going to be the actual dropping it off at the storage bin. So using that time that you have right now to actually go through and decide, is this something worth keeping? Is this something I want? Is this something I'm using? Is this something I'm not? Like all of those sorts of things, like the time is now. And then just having that designated space in your house where you're going to store it. It's not going to maybe look pretty right now if it's in the middle of your living room or it's wherever, but you know that that's temporary, right? We're not in this quarantine forever. So when that time comes, that'll clear out. And then you've utilized this space and this time to be able to process through some of those emotions and figure out, do I want to keep this or do I not? You know? Right. I know that because again, we're in the house more, we have more things out than we usually do Legos specifically. And yeah. So we've had to kind of start setting parameters around like, okay, like this is where this is allowed. It can be on like the dining room table makes a great place for doing Legos, but then you can't eat dinner there. And so different boundaries around that. And even just while we were recording this, my son just came in with his little guitar. And I was like, dude, why do we still have that? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, shushy, you know, waving him out of the room frantically. But there's so many random things that are coming out of the woodwork. And I'm like, why do we even still have this thing? And why are you bringing it to me right now? And so I love the idea of being mindful about getting things out as we, as they're kind of popping up in front of us. I think that we are kind of acutely aware of all the things in our houses right now, because we're spending so much time in front of them yep. that we can, that this can just be a process that we start now. And then we can probably keep a little bit more manageable in the long run, which I love that idea. For sure. And then even like food right now, you think about all of like with my kids having some medical emergency stuff this week, I was digging through my cupboards looking for Benadryl and I didn't have any Benadryl, but I found multiple expired like ibuprofen and Advil stuff for the kids. And so I cleared all that out and I was thinking how much we have, we do, we do have food stored back in the cupboards. You know, you might have lentils or beans or rice or flour or whatever, or stuff in the freezer that might be going bad. And this is a perfect time to dig everything out and clear it out, use it, and then save you not having to go to the grocery store. And then you're not wasting or your shampoo bottles, you know, like maybe people have hotel shampoo and all of those sorts of things. Like how can you use this time to use up that stuff and clear it out without having to go to the grocery store or the wherever targets and be able to kind of do two things at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. So I know you have four steps to your Rise Above framework. So can you talk a little bit about Rise Above and how you work with people and then the framework as well? Yeah. So outside of COVID, a lot of times I find that moms are just feeling so busy and overwhelmed with all of the to-dos and all the things they have to get done and manage and whether you're working or you're staying at home or not. And so this Rise Above method was a framework that I developed based out of my own experience and then in working with other women in what those core four foundational things are that you need in order to be able to get out of that, to not feel overwhelmed and stressed out every single day. So the four steps I'll go through real quick is the first one is prioritizing. So that's figuring out exactly what those priorities are and getting really aligned with them. Oftentimes we know 
or we'll, we'll say what you know what they are, but we're really not living in alignment with those priorities. Yeah. And so going back to those basics of even decluttering out the stuff that's on your calendar or whatever and learning how to say no and saying yes to things appropriately so that you are making sure that you're really aligned with those things. And then the second step is decluttering so that and simplifying. So that's kind of your actual space and the things that maybe are on your calendar. How can you funnel those through and really compare them to those priorities and make sure that they're really aligned there. And then the third one is automate and delegating. So that's figuring out what things do you actually need to be spending time on and what things could be set on autopilot or could they be delegated to somebody else in your household? Could they be delegated to somebody else maybe in your community circle that is actually has more strength in that area or vice versa? Maybe you could hire somebody to do some of those things. So that's the third step. And then the fourth one is this rhythm and flow. And this is the one I feel like so many people don't, it's not as commonly talked about. It's becoming more and more commonly talked about, at least in the circles I've kind of run in. But as an occupational therapist, I, part of my training and education was in helping people with their habits and routines, because as people, we are very much ingrained like neurologically to do things in the simplest way, figuring out that efficient way. And so, you know, those times when you've driven home and you don't remember how you even got there because you were just set on autopilot, that's your brain kind of working in these these habitual sort of ways. So our bodies have sort of their own routines and rhythms to them. As particularly as women, we have our menstrual cycle. And I think it's really fascinating for me. A few years ago, somebody taught me about my menstrual cycle in a way that it works with how my energy and my mood levels are and my productivity levels are and all of that. And it has completely transformed everything for me. Have you read Kate Northrup's book about this? I have not read it, but I've heard her speak. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. She has a great, her book is great. And I know I have not read the whole thing and tracked as deeply as she encourages one to do, but the people who I know who have are obsessed with it. It is crazy when you can find, and even if you're not using your menstrual cycle, but when you're really tapped into the fact that we are not meant to live our lives on 100% all of the time. We think we are. We think we're supposed to be able to maintain these high levels of productivity of getting the laundry and the dishes and everything done with no self-care and no whatever. Like we think that we should be able to do that. At the same time, you look at the world and you know there's seasons of spring and winter and fall when if you look at the ground, it's like planting season and then there's harvest season and then there's barren, dry, like recouped season. You know, like there's there's different seasons in the world, even the the moon and the sun, like there's night and day, there's rest. Like everywhere you look around the world, there's this element of produce and rest at the same time. And so I think it's really powerful to implement some way in your life that you can create this rhythm. And I think the menstrual cycle is really amazing because it does work with our hormones and our like just our biochemistry of our bodies at the same time. And so it's not just establishing some external thing, but it's given every woman I've talked to about this and I've helped them with, it's given them so much more grace for those moments when you feel like you're failing. You feel like I'm going to throw in the towel. I can't do this anymore. 
I'm over this, all of that. It's oftentimes hands down in that one week when it's expected that that's when you would feel that way. And then you're like, okay, just give it a week. Next week, things will get better. And so when you have that external framework for that, you know, it just lightens there like, okay, this week I just need to, I just need to make sure I'm taking better care of myself and what tools, what things can I do this week so that I can process this and not feel like the world is falling apart. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, Hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I know a couple of years ago, a woman colleague of mine shifted all of her events. She did a lot of online or uh, in-person trainings, and they were typically like kind of one or two day retreat kind of things. And she scheduled them all out for a whole year based on her cycle. (laughs) Yes. And then she scheduled like days off for the whole year based on her cycle. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. I have not done that. But it was very, very interesting. And for her, this like, she took her kind of a year of tracking things to recognize how clear it was that this is when her body, like clear and recognizing when her body was most optimal, most functional, when she needed rest and recovery, when she was in high productivity, all these things. It was such a game changer. It was really fascinating to watch her do it and to watch her kind of this level of permission that she gave herself to your point about like, I'm not going to be in hustle mode Monday through Friday, nine to five, just because that's how the world says that it should work. No, like instead I might work on a Saturday and not on a Tuesday or whatever, you know, maybe work through a whole weekend and then take a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off because that's when it coincides with my cycle in a more optimal way. Yeah, for sure. Or like, like you said, I found that my cycle has regulated better when I'm been like this because I'm so in tune with, okay, this week is my high productivity week. And so I'm going to choose to put high productivity tasks on that week. And then next week, I'm going to make sure that I'm trying to be more in line with more social sorts of things. And I'm going to schedule like interviews like this or whatever it may be. And I try to align with that. Yeah. But my cycle isn't square on to where I can 100% know that that's where it's going to be. Yeah. But at least I'm trying and giving myself that attempt with that has really helped make my cycles as more regular than they've ever been in my life before. So there's some element. And I remember when I first started this, I was postpartum and the person that was doing the training I was on and I said, you know, I'm postpartum. Like, how does this work for me? Or somebody else was menopausal and she's like, how does this work for me? And the person had said that you just 
find it kind of like really get intentional about tuning into where you are and figuring out. And it just takes that inward looking of figuring out, am I in a space right now where I don't want to be around people at all? Well, everybody right now probably wants to be around people because (laughs) there's no people, but just tuning in, like, do I feel really productive right now? Do I feel like I just want to lay on the couch and read a book? Do I feel like I want to go run a marathon? Like, where are you feeling right now? And then tapping into that and then using the kind of predictable schedule and seeing, do I fall in line with that? Is that where I'm at consistently? And even if you don't have a cycle or if you're postmenopausal or whatever, that you can use those same rhythms. And so for me, when I tapped into it, I was like, okay, I feel right now this is where I'm at. I'm just going to follow this. It was within that first month that my cycle came back. So I think that there's something really predictable about our bodies. Like our bodies are wanting us to live in this rhythm too. And you can align, like you said, your work schedule, your maybe not all if you work from home or you do your own things there, but you can align your your meetings or your events, or you can, your exercise, you know, there's those times in the month when you get up and you're like, oh my gosh, I do not want to be doing cardio weightlifting right now. And there's a very predictable reason that that is that your body is telling you that it's not always just a lack of motivation. It's not just you not feeling good enough to get up and get it done that day, that there actually is probably a physiological reason your body doesn't feel that way. And so giving yourself permission to tune into that and say, okay, today I'm going to do yoga because that's what I need. It can be really freeing and give you a lot of grace and then also allow your body that rest it needs. Absolutely. I'm fairly type A person, control freak over here. (laughs) I'm someone who also is very, very routine about things. And so for ever and ever for like literally 20 some years, like I get up first thing in the morning, I do a workout. And I remember it was when we were trying to get pregnant, we went through years of infertility. And during that process, I started recognizing as someone who had always like blown past my body's cues for anything, because I was just trying to be hyper productive all the time. I started having to track things and recognize that I could feel myself ovulating every month. And my doctor, I remember saying to my doctor, I'm like, is it normal that I feel this? Like, I'm pretty sure this is what I'm feeling. She said, oh, she's like only a small percentage of women feel that. But yeah, what you're describing 100% could be ovulation. And now I feel it so strongly. It's actually, I feel my ovulation more than cramps that I have during my period. And I also started noticing after my son was born, when my cycle re-regulated, that I noticed that I had cramps more than I had previously had them. And that like on certain days, my desire to exercise had really changed. And I had been, again, someone who just like blown past these cues before and been like, but I just work out every day. That's what I do. And now it's to the point where I'm like, oh, like today, day one, like I'm not going running on day one. Like that's going to feel awful. And I'm just going to be really frustrated if I try to go running because it's going to feel bad the whole time. So learning to listen. And I think I know we have a lot of type A listeners who are like me that learning to listen, I think can be so beneficial because then when we work within that, everything feels like a gift. So instead of trying to go run five miles on the first day of my period, instead to be like, I'm going to do some yoga and go for a walk. And that's going to feel really, really good instead of trying to go running and then being like, oh my gosh, I'm slow and this is hard and it's hurting. And like, no, we don't need to torture ourselves that way. 
Yeah, for sure. And I feel like even for me, for like work stuff, there's been so many times where I've sat down to try to write something. I try to write a blog post or I try to write an email and I would be pulling my hair out being like, why is this so hard? (laughs) Like, why can I not do this? Like, oh, I have this time. I just want to get it done. This is not working. And then I get frustrated with myself rather than just trusting and waiting for that week when my creativity came out. Now I know that, that I can sit down and just bust through writing in that week. And it's so much easier for me. So I make sure I do most of that in that week, even in our days. You know, we have times in our day that are more productive than others. So for me, if I want to write and it's outside of that creative writing time in the month, I have to do it first thing in the morning because if as the day goes on, you know, life comes at you, your energy drains, you're focused on all the other things. Like my most creative point is in that morning and that three o'clock lull that everybody talks about, like that is an actual rhythm in your body. You know, it's the same thing at night when you sleep, you have these rhythms in wake and sleep like more awake state of sleep and a deep, deep sleep, we have these rhythms. And so when we tap into them, it really helps us be able to feel like we're not failing when when things are really hard and we tap and we get into the groove of it. It just makes it flow so much easier. It truly does. Yeah. And men, I've heard, operate in a 24-hour cycle. (laughs) So it's really interesting when you look at just the way our world is all set up. It's all kind of built on a male-based masculine sort of economy and system. So surprising. That like men get this sort of recharge. They have their high levels every day and their low levels and their creative and their, you know, they get it all in that one day. So they don't need three days off like women do, you know? And so it's fascinating to kind of take a step back and say like, women, do we do operate differently? We're different. One thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago that I want to go back to, because I think it's really relevant right now. And I didn't do this the first few weeks of COVID. After I did it, I was like, why didn't I do this earlier? But I went through my calendar and you had mentioned calendaring and digital clutter. So I kept a lot of things on my calendar after COVID started, because at first I was like, well, this might only be for like two weeks. And we don't know and like all these things and like things like the dog walker or my son's school schedule was still on there and like random like the days I was going to volunteer in his classroom. I just didn't take them off because I was like, well, when I look at my calendar, I know that I don't have to go do those things. So I'm just choosing to ignore them right now rather than taking like three minutes to just go through and pull things off my calendar, like these weekly repeating things that we know now are not going to happen. You know, when I kind of started doing this, they were extended six weeks out for our schools and now we're out for the whole rest of the year. So I've taken all this stuff off now. It took me like, I don't know, three or four weeks to do that. But when I did that, the space on my calendar, oh my gosh, it was like every time I deleted something and was able to click like delete this now, delete all when it's like, is it just this event you want to delete or all events like this moving forward? And I was like, all events moving forward. And all of a sudden I felt like I had so much time back. And so I think that's a good lesson around we often keep like we just decide to overlook things as if they don't matter or we can just ignore them or it's not really a big deal. And I think this perception of spaciousness is so important and we need to look at all the different ways that we can pull spaciousness in. And so pulling spaciousness into our digital world, pulling spaciousness into our homes, especially when we're spending so much time at home right now. I think that that's really, really important. And I want to encourage people to look at the places where they can be doing that. I think that it can really help us mentally. And I think it can ease anxiety and nerves a lot um, as well. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's amazing. And I think in that process, like you probably held off on pulling them off with that anticipation and then that hope that things were going to come back. And maybe even part of it was like going through some grieving process and deleting it. And so acknowledging that when people are going through, even with it's stuff, if it's stuff on your calendar or, you know, when COVID is over and you're looking at putting things back on your schedule, being really intentional and processing through all of those feelings and all of those thoughts and really getting true to, is this something I really want back on my schedule or is this something that I can go without going forward? Yeah. And I think it also created this, it created something positive out of something that had seemed, you know, especially when like schools first closed and I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this for like, you know, if that initially two weeks, oh my gosh, how will we survive? And then it was six weeks, how will we survive? But then when I looked, I pulled things off the calendar and I saw the spaciousness in our schedule, it all of a sudden seemed like, oh, this is kind of great. Like, well, I have no commitment or, you know, so few commitments, which was really a nice feeling in a time when it has felt like, how are we going to get through this? This feels like so long and big and overwhelming and hard and heavy. And then to have a sense of spaciousness around it was like, oh, this is maybe there's a gift here that I hadn't really been letting myself see that now I can connect to. 100%. I think as a world, like as a, just a, in general, we all needed to slow down a little bit. And to so to step back and kind of, yes, there's still crazy stuff going on. There's still ha people having a really hard time. There's lots of other stuff going on, but there's always an opportunity to choose that gift of what are you going to see in this situation? And if you're going to focus on all of that negativity, or if you're going to focus on that gift of what you do have is going to change everything, how you handle it. What do you believe is the foundational element when it comes to saying no without mom guilt? I really think it's coming back to those priorities and understanding that each family is in person is completely different. And so for me, I know our family has chosen certain core values and certain core things that we want to have as our, like our thing. These are what we are made of. And so when I know that and I'm making a choice, I think that going back to those priorities and just knowing 100% that for me, this is a priority for our family. Our family has prioritized certain things and Johnny's family next door, they have chosen something completely different. So the things that we choose to put on our calendars, the things we choose to do, the things that we spend our time with, they are going to be different because we're completely different families. And for me and most of the people I've worked that with, that's been really freeing to have that in the back of their minds that we all have different priorities and different core values and different things that we're in as a collective community, we're going to do it together better. So when we look at the person that has, you know, that for me, I work and I do a lot of other things. And so on my extracurricular activities of being able to volunteer at school all the time or whatever, it's just not there. And it's for me, it's a choice that I've made. I know that I can't be at school I could if I wanted to, but that's not where my priorities. So I honor and I think that the mom that does show up and I look at her and I say, thank you for doing that because that's a role that I've chosen not to take. And so really kind of coming at it that, oh, somebody has to do it. Somebody needs to show up at school. And so instead of looking at her and feeling like, gosh, I should be doing that. Instead, it's thanking her for doing that and then honoring that you are in a space that she can be on the other end saying, well, thank you for going to work and showing up at the hospital every day. You know, like, so I think it just comes from that, like really understanding that you have a choice. If you don't want to be the person that's 
going to work and you want to be the person that's at school, then you could realign and change things up. Like you can, you have that opportunity that you can be proactive about what you do instead of just reacting. Yeah. Can you tell us in what ways you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Ah, gosh, you know, when I saw this kind of question on your, your question sheet and I thought, I don't know, but I think it's just stepping into one of the things that is on my affirmation sheet I've been writing down every day is just to own my own voice and to know in that sense of going back to that my priorities are me. And so there are things that I'm going to say and things that I'm going to do that are different than all the other moms. And that's okay because this is what feels good and feels right for me. And so it's what my family needs. And so we're honoring what we need in this season. You know, right now we were talking about it earlier, but I feel like this season has been really good for my family with the whole COVID thing. And I am taking all of the slowness to the extent that we can possibly do and just soaking up every minute of it and just shutting out all of that other negativity that's going on around out there and just owning what's happening here in my house. And for me, that's exactly where we need to be for my family, you know? Yeah, I love it. Tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can connect with you. I know that there's going to be mamas who are going to want more and they're going to want more support and they're going to want to follow you in all the places. So where can people connect with you? Yeah. So my number one place is just using my first and last name, which is Renee Fick. And I'm spelling on my last name is kind of weird. So I'm sure you have show notes for that. Yes, it will all be in the show notes. But on Instagram, it's just Renee Fick. And on my website, it's ReneeFick.com. And then my podcast is The Rising Moms Podcast. So those are the best places to find me. Yeah. Excellent. Yay. Okay. We'll have all that linked up in the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode for Renee Fick. Can you go ahead and spell your name just for people who are so eager and need to type it in right now? (laughs) Yeah. It's R-E-N-A-E and then F as in Frank, I-E-C-K. Perfect. Awesome. I should have, when I started creating stuff, I should have made something totally different. Like I should have just stuck with like rising moms all the way across because that's easy. Everyone has their thing. I'm always like Sarah without an H. Sarah, yeah. So, you know, everyone has like their caveat around their name. So Renee, this has been awesome. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I feel like we've created spaciousness for mamas today, help them to look at how they can start decluttering the benefits of decluttering and different perspectives around this for sure, which I think will be really helpful, especially in this really unique time that we're in. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It was fun to be here. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.